Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today we have a timely Bible in the News report and Mark Biltz will decode the prophet Jeremiah. Watchmen on the Wall is here each day to bring clarity to the chaos and make sense of the world around us. We're able to do this because of your prayers and financial support. Thank you. Would you consider giving a tax-deductible gift today? You can give online swrc.com or by calling 1-800-652-1144. Thank you for your support of Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries. Could an ancient prophet hold a present key that will reveal the future? Author Mark Biltz believes so. Join us as together we decode the prophet Jeremiah. In the first chapter of the book of Jeremiah, God said to the prophet, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Long before Jeremiah was born, God knew him and selected him to be a great prophet who would preach a message of judgment to people who turned their back on God. And Jeremiah's message is one that we need to pay attention to today. I'm very excited today to talk about the prophet Jeremiah with Pastor Mark Biltz. Pastor Mark is the author of several books, including the bestseller Blood Moons and the outstanding book Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah, What an Ancient Prophet Says About Today. And I really believe that after you hear him talk about this book, you'll want to have your own copy. Pastor Mark, thanks so much for joining me again today. Oh, well, you bet. It's great to be with you. Now, Pastor Mark, I recently heard you share your testimony. Your story is very interesting. Your family is Jewish, but you were raised a Catholic. Tell us your story. How did you come to be a pastor who teaches the Jewish roots of the Christian faith? It's crazy. I tell you what, my great-grandpa was Jewish. He lived in France. But what happened was he was tired of being a poor Jewish tailor, and so he abandoned his family, his wife and kids, and ran off with a wealthy Catholic lady to America. Ended up, after having a couple of kids, moved back to France. His wife wanted nothing to do with him at all. So my grandma was Catholic, of course, and raised my dad Catholic, but knowing that his dad was Jewish. Then my dad married my mom, who was a Protestant. So I've got a Catholic dad, a Protestant mom, but I still have the Passover Haggadah in Hebrew and English that we would read every Passover to remember our Jewish roots. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy. So I was Catholic for 19 years, and then I got saved, and I was a Protestant for, let's say, 19 years. And then I decided I needed to expand my horizons. I mean, I'd been to Bible college, taught in the Bible college. And as you know, in Romans, it says we see through a glass darkly. Mm -hmm. Well, in Romans 11, it says that the Jews were only blinded partly. And so then I thought, well, okay, we're all partially blind. Let me see what they see. And oh my goodness, when I started studying the Bible from their perspective, after studying it from a Christian's perspective for 20 years, I saw a lot of missing pieces. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, look, I know how to eat chicken. I can eat (laughs) to be throughout the bone. There's a lot of bones in Judaism, but there's a lot of bones in Christianity. And so for the last 25 years or so, I've been studying the Bible 
and understanding Yeshua, Jesus, from a whole other perspective. And it is incredible. So I ended up starting El Shaddai Ministries in 2001. I've been pastoring now for 21 years. And, oh, my goodness, it's just gone crazy how people all over the world want to understand the Bible from the culture that it was written in. I love this book, Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah. Now, the book opens with a story of you receiving a gift. Tell us the story of how you received a 400-year-old Jeremiah scroll. Can you imagine, twice as old as the United States, a 400-year-old scroll of Jeremiah? There's a rabbi friend of mine who's become a believer, and he's always wanted a scroll of Jeremiah. And he's in Israel. He's at the Western Wall. And he had just acquired this Jeremiah scroll. He just got done reading Jeremiah 31, which everyone knows is all about the New Covenant, and he was all excited. And so he calls me, and he says, you're not going to believe this. I just acquired this Jeremiah scroll. It's over 400 years old, and I just got done reading Jeremiah 31. Well, the very moment he called me, I'm in my office, and I'm writing this new book, Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah. And I thought, oh, this is crazy, and I told him about that. And then he was telling me what he just read. And I said, you're not going to believe it. I am working at that very moment on Jeremiah 31, on that chapter for the book. He was just blown away, and after a couple of days, he called me back and said the Lord told him he had to give me that Torah scroll mm-hmm. that he's been waiting for himself for 15 years. And he donated it. Within two days, I had the FedEx knock on my door with this 400-year-old scroll of Jeremiah. Totally was a God thing. Yeah, I don't believe in coincidence. That's a God incidence, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Well, I want to start by telling you that, in my opinion, Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah is your best book. I read it again this past week, and it's phenomenal. What prompted you to write a book about Jeremiah? I had just got done teaching the all you know, 50-some chapters at our congregation over a period of many months. And I just thought, man, this is too important. I've got to get this out. It so parallels our day. And I really believe that he was a prophet for our times. And so I just felt people needed to hear this message. Well, you write that the prophet Jeremiah lived in chaotic times. What were some of the cultural factors that you've uncovered? Things are patterns. History repeats itself. And, you know, we're living in chaotic times. In Jeremiah's day, it was total lawlessness. The parents and the children were against each other. There was even child sacrifice going on. There was fake news. Can you believe it? (laughs) (laughs) All the prophets were prophesying falsely. The priests didn't know God had even left. They were holding the truth and righteousness. There was a great falling away of believers. There was religious chaos, political chaos, religious division. I mean, it just so paralleled our time. There was a plague. There was a pandemic. You'll see in Jeremiah 19, there was food shortages. I mean, there are so many things that just parallels us. They were quarantined, too. Oh, exactly. They were under siege. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, oh, my goodness. This is how history so repeats itself. Well, the book of Jeremiah is complex, and all the chapters are out of order in the book of Jeremiah. The book of Lamentations, which Jeremiah wrote, and you write about in Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah, is also complex. 
Isn't there a message in the complexity and chaos there? What does that teach us about God? You know, I think what's interesting is in the book of Esther, which is about the story of Purim, God's not mentioned anywhere. And so sometimes God's hiding, but we have to realize he's always there. Well, it's the same thing. The book of Jeremiah is almost as if someone wrote it, and then they cut up all the chapters, threw them in the air, and however they landed is how they put it back together again for us to read. I mean, it is completely out of chronological order. So in my book, I put it back in order so people can straighten it out again. But then Lamentations that you mentioned, you only see this in Hebrew, but it's actually like an acrostic from the Hebrew alphabet. Well, the first chapter, there's 22 verses, because there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and they're all in order. And then the next chapter, a couple of letters are reversed, and that is what's happening throughout the book. But I think it turns into the last chapter's total chaos. And so I think when you see all the chaos happening, you know God is still in control. Mm. It's kind of like a controlled demolition of a building. It's one thing if a building just completely collapses from an earthquake. It's another thing when you have bombs strategically placed and they purposely bring down the building. And so the way I see, the reason why Jeremiah was written this way in Lamentations, so we can see it was a intentional demolition by God. It wasn't time and chance that happened. You mentioned the situation in Jeremiah's day. How does that parallel, again, what is happening in our world today? Oh, my goodness. What I think is so interesting is Hosea kind of spoke of that day, too. And one of the, the big problems that I see is it's God's people who he really has the problem with. You see that in Jeremiah 7. You see that in Hosea 4. He talks about where God says he has a controversy with his own people. They're swearing, lying, killing, stealing, committing adultery, doing all these things. We know that there is a lot of problems within the church as well today. He has a problem with his own people, as well as all the other things, the chaos that's going on. Well, I think I heard you say one of the biggest problems in the time of Jeremiah was not with the pagans, but with God's own people. And I've always said that we shouldn't be surprised when lost people act like lost people, but it is heartbreaking when Christians act like lost people. I understand Jeremiah's message to God's people then is the same as it is to us today, right? Oh, you're exactly right. Well, if you're just tuning in today, my guest is Pastor Mark Biltz. Mark is the author of the wonderful book, Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah. You can get a copy right now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can get one online at swrc.com. This book is great for a home or small group Bible study. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Why don't you get a copy of Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah for your pastor to make a great gift? I know that it'll be a blessing. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Why is that, and what was it symbolic of? I think he was weeping for a couple of reasons. Number one, and I think this also parallels a lot of believers today as well, but Jeremiah, first off, he was not only a prophet, he was also a priest. And here he was hated by his family. He was hated by his friends. 
Even his fellow priests and prophets wanted him dead, as well as the political establishment and all of the citizens. Everyone wanted him dead. And so I can understand why he felt all alone. But even more than that, I think this is the biggest reason why he was weeping. As we know, he was representing God's heart. Mm. And so when you see the broken relationship that God had over his children who have abandoned him, which led to the destruction of the city and even God's house. I like to say how, you know, if you have a teenager that is being very rebellious and he's punching holes in the walls, you may have to kick him out of the house. But when you kick him out of the house, they know, wow, dad's really mad. Well, what about if dad not only kicks him out of the house, but burns the house down and leaves? Now he really knows God is mad. But I think God was weeping weeping over his own people, his own children who's abandoned him. And so I think in one sense, we need to have the heart of Jeremiah and not weep for our own sake, but weep for God's heart that's been broken over all of his kids that have abandoned him. They don't even know him. You know, in Revelation, this is a verse that's often misunderstood, where it says, I stand at the door and I knock, you know? Well, everyone teaches that as if it's a salvational verse. No, he's knocking at the door of the church, and they don't even know he left. Yeah, it's sad. Jesus can't even get into his own church. That is uh, heartbreaking. You mentioned Jeremiah's family. You write that the prophet Jeremiah has a highly dysfunctional family, and you unpack the teaching that holds for us today on several levels. Can you touch on those for us? Yeah, he really had a highly dysfunctional family, for sure. There's a verse that God has in Jeremiah where he's telling him, don't even listen to your own family, okay, because they're not for you. They're going behind your back, and so that's pretty bad. But the other thing I think what this gives us, this gives us hope in one sense, because all of us feel like sometimes we go through the fire, or there's times when we feel all alone. But I believe that we have to understand that God is for us, and he was with Jeremiah the whole time. And so for me, I think it's just really important that we realize God is for us, and even though we go through some horrible times, hey, he's right there. You write in the book that Jeremiah proclaimed how to hold to God's commandments, even when it's countercultural, with all the chaos in the world, everything that's going on. What is God trying to tell us? How can we hold to God's commandments even when everything in our culture is doing everything that it possibly can to remove God from everything? I think a lot of us right now at this particular time in history feel like we're just under attack from every side, and how do we hold it together? I tell you personally, I've had just been through the mill the last about four years, but I think the real key and the number one key is to know it's not about me. It's mm. not about us. I think when we're other-focused, when we're focused on others, when we're focused on God, that's what helps us get through. I do think that we do need each other, and we need to find like-minded brethren that we can, you know, like it says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But that only works when everyone is looking out for the other person. 
one of my favorite verses in Jeremiah is Jeremiah is complaining. I think all of us complain to God at some time. Why do the wicked prosper? Which is, you know, why do they get to take root and bear fruit and all this, which was Jeremiah's exact words. He was complaining. And then God comes back and he says, look, if you can barely run with the footmen, what are you going to do when it's time to run with the horses? Mm -hmm. And so we have to realize if we're going to be able to run with the horses, well, then we're going to have to get a lot closer to God than where we're at, you know. And I kind of go into how it's important to realize we have to run in Hebrews. It says we're in a race. David ran toward Goliath. Elijah outran chariots and horses. So I think one of the things that we need to do in order to learn to run is to run with a purpose, have a sense of urgency, know that we're in a race, and it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So we have to run with that understanding, but we also have to run with the right message Amen. as well. Well, the book is called Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah, What an Ancient Prophet Says About Today. It's a great book, and I encourage you to get a copy now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Pastor Mark, would you please recap for us what are the most important takeaway keys and teaching found in Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah, the book that you have out right now? Yes, a couple of takeaways is judgment always begins in the house of God, because his children were to be his representatives. And so judgment always begins there. But what I believe is we need to repent, and it has to be a true repentance. It can't be under pretense. That happened during Jeremiah's day. They repented under pretense. They were looking for their own good rather than the good of the kingdom of God. And so for me, we need to realize that there is always a hope in the future. That's one of the verses in Jeremiah, that there will be a hope and a future. This is where the new covenant is written. And so the main thing is we have to really trust in God and have no fear. Without giving too much away, can you tell us what you're working on next? I've been teaching a series on Zechariah. I'm not quite done. And oh my goodness, is it blowing me away as I'm teaching it. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to write a book decoding the prophet Zechariah. But I'm also working on a sequel to one of my other books talking about the Feast of the Lord. And it's going to show where we are at time-wise on the biblical calendar. Well, when those products come out, we look forward to having you back on The Watchman on the Wall. Well, thank you so much for being a watchman. (laughs) Amen. Well, before we close out, now there may be someone listening today who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you mind sharing the gospel and telling our listeners how they can receive Christ? Oh, I would love to. One of the things that people have to hear first, they have to know the bad news. Because the good news doesn't mean anything if you don't know the bad news. And the bad news is we need to realize that we're lost. And all of our righteousness we think we've done won't help. Just like if a policeman stops me for a speeding ticket, you know, I can't tell him about all the times I didn't speed. That doesn't help. So we need to realize all of us are lost. And you can't save yourself. You can't cleanse yourself. You can't say, I want to get myself clean before I come to God. It doesn't work. We can't cleanse ourselves. The Bible plainly says in Jeremiah that our sins are engraved like on a rock. And so washing a rock that's been engraved doesn't do away with it. So the main thing is realize that we are lost, realize we can't save ourselves, we just have to return. Number two, we have to return, 
and get our eyes off of ourselves. I know most people, as you probably very well know, get saved selfishly first. They they don't want to go to hell. They want to go to heaven, which is still even a totally selfish, self-centered look. But that's where we all are initially until we grow more in our relationship with the Lord and we realize that we need to be saved for his sake, not for our sake, so that we could bring him honor, his glory. We've damaged his kingdom. And so we need to want to come back to him and submit to his rule. And then, of course, we have to acknowledge that only Jesus, Yeshua's death on the cross, it's only through acknowledging that sacrifice, showing how much he loves us. God loves us, you know, and when we understand how much he loves us, that he was willing to die for us, that's what gives us the proper motivation to return and to come back to him and truly be saved. Get this fascinating discussion by Mark Biltz on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Recently, it was reported by the New York Times that Harvard University has a new chief chaplain, and he's an atheist. Jerry Tyson, host of the new podcast, In the Beacon's Light, is here to give us the details on today's Bible in the News Report. Thank you, Matthew. You recently pointed me to an interesting article in the August 26, 2021 New York Post. Interestingly, it was posted in the entertainment section. I'm not sure if that's the right place for it, but it is most likely better than in the religion section. Here's the article. Harvard University's humanist chaplain, Greg Epstein, in late August, started a new job as the president of the university's organization of chaplains. This spiritual leader doesn't need a higher power. Harvard University's organization of chaplains is getting a new president to coordinate the campus's Christian, Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, and assorted other religious communities. Only the new president, 44-year-old Greg Epstein, doesn't identify with any of those traditional religions himself. He's an atheist. Despite his disbelief in any higher power, Harvard chaplains felt Epstein, author of the book Good Without God, what a billion non-religious people do believe, was a good choice for the position due to young people's increasing lack of religiosity. There is a rising group of people who no longer identify with any religious tradition, but still experience a real need for conversation and support around what it means to be a good human and live an ethical life, Epstein, who grew up in a Jewish home, told the New York Times in an interview published on Thursday. We don't look for a God for answers, he added. We are each other's answers. Harvard's liberal values and desire to prioritize engagement over tradition make Epstein a great fit for the job. At least that's what many insiders feel. Indeed, his election was unanimous. Maybe in a more conservative university climate, there might be a question like, what are they doing at Harvard? Having a humanist be the president of the chaplains? Margaret Hammerstrom, 
Harvard's Christian Science Chaplain told the Times. But in this environment, it works. Greg is known for wanting to keep the lines of communication open between different faiths. At a time defined by a strained warlike identity culture, for many college-age individuals, Epstein's focus on a collaboration is more relevant than one of simply maintaining the status quo of worship, students said. Greg's leadership isn't about theology, 20-year-old electrical engineering student Charlotte Nickerson told the Times. It's about cooperation between people of different faiths and bringing together people who wouldn't normally consider themselves religious. Well, that's the end of the article. I hope you don't have a son or daughter at Harvard. As the article hinted, the climate in the secular schools is just that, secular. It fully reflects the direction our nation is taking from the top down. And unfortunately, that reflection is of us who call ourselves Christians, but have not been the salt and light in this present evil world. Yes, I understand that there have been secularists and atheists in our societies since the earliest days, but that does not excuse us for being negligent. We don't look to a God for answers. We are each other's answers, said Epstein. He may be telling the truth. When the question is not properly asked, the answer source is far from adequate. We, human beings, are not capable of answering the biggest questions in the universe from our finite and ant-sized intellects. Without a knowledge of God and his word, we stand hopeless in not just answering today's questions, but more importantly, at that moment, it becomes our turn to stand before the holy God who rules the universe with or without our acceptance of that reality. So, if we are each other's answers, not only do we need to wonder what questions are being asked, but also the ability of the ones around us to even begin to understand what answers are needed. Harvard may not need a spiritual leader who can lead them spiritually, but you and I do. And that is the reason we have God's word and the privilege of a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus. His payment for our sins was all that was needed to meet our eternal need, not only for answers, but eternal life. Mr. Epstein, I fear you fall into the category of being a fool, since it is the fool who has said in his heart, there is no God. Before it is eternally too late, I hope you come to know the Savior. Today we are offering a book and five DVD set by Mark Biltz. Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah and the Feast of the Lord. In the book, Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah, Mark Biltz unpacks two books of the Bible written by the Prophet Jeremiah, the Book of Lamentations and the Book of Jeremiah. Biltz has uncovered fascinating codes within Lamentations, making this a truly unique message for readers. In the Feast of the Lord 5 DVD set, you'll experience the wonders of the Feast of the Lord and how they foreshadow prophecies yet to be fulfilled.
Get both the book, Decoding the Prophet Jeremiah, and the five-DVD set, The Feast of the Lord, for a gift of $50 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. All of us here at Watchmen on the Wall hope you and your family have a wonderful weekend. And be encouraged, God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.